Well, thanks for hanging out with me this morning. We're going to share the Word of God going into the new year, and that's a great way to start that. He's good. He's wonderful, and I'm believing Him for great things in 2024 for all of our lives. And uh, why shouldn't we have a great year this year? Regardless of what that looks like, um, I believe it needs to be a great year for you. Uh, better than this year. I don't care how good of a bad of a year you had this year. 2024 needs to be a better year. And even if you had a great year, because better means where are you with Christ? Where are you with God? What does that look like? You're one year farther down the path in a journey with Christ. And so every year, whether it be all blessing or even some suffering in our lives, we need to be better off because we're walking with Christ. So we had a great Christmas Eve service here. Um, Many of you were here, but uh, we had lots of uh, camp families and a lot of uh, pumpkin patch families out, and we had, we had quite an evening. It was a wonderful, wonderful night, and, and just another spot for people to experience what we do here, and hearing about Jesus and our position on Christ on Christmas Eve is just a wonderful thing that God has put in our midst uh, to be able to do, and, and um, we had a lot of people out for that from our families and from pumpkin patch. And so it's great to see that not only we are blessing our community, but when we give them opportunity to come in and, and not everybody's going to come on a Sunday morning, but like Christmas Eve and Easter and different things, give them an opportunity to just hear a little more about Christ. Um, we just believe that God is touching their lives. We truly do. So the week before that, I preached a sermon on baby Jesus. Was everybody here a couple weeks ago when I talked about baby Jesus and uh, what Jesus was like as a baby? And it's something that we don't often talk about or don't like to hear, but Jesus came out of the womb pretty helpless. He really, really did. You know, he uh, came out helpless. He couldn't talk on his own. He had to be taught how to talk, had to listen to everybody else talk and learn how to talk. He had to learn how to walk, you know, holding mom and dad's hand or, you know, learning how to walk and stumbling and falling down. And he needed to be fed. He needed to be fed. He didn't just come out of the womb and, and um, he didn't just speak to the sea and fish jump out into his crib and eat fish. He had to rely on somebody to feed him. First of all, his mom from her breast. And then later on food, he had to be fed. We looked at the fact that even Jesus had to be changed. That it's hard to want to picture Jesus like that, but Jesus pooped his diaper. He did. He pooped his diaper and had to be changed. And there was people probably around who were like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> but we don't want to think that. And the reason why we don't want to think that is because we don't want to think that he needs to be protected and nurtured and cared for. And we don't want to think that because he is the one to us that now does the protecting, the nurturing, and the caring for us. We sing a song on Christmas Eve. Sherry sang a song on Christmas Eve called Mary, Did You Know? You know, and one of my favorite lines in there is, did you know that the baby that you would deliver would soon deliver you? And it's such a, such a powerful contrast and such an amazing thing. Did you know that the baby you were delivering that was so helpless would soon deliver you from your sins, would soon help you? And so we saw that Jesus in the flesh looked helpless. But it's also amazing to think is how helpless he was in the flesh that he wasn't that helpless, that he was actually a fortified city unto himself. What do I mean by that? It means that he was totally protected. 
and that there was no way that he wasn't going to be fed, and there was no way that he wasn't going to learn how to walk, and there's no way that he wasn't going to learn wasn't going to learn how to talk, and there's no way that someone was going to take his life, even though Herod tried to take his life. There was no way that someone was going to take his life. Why? Because he was the perfect will of God. He was God in the flesh, and the Father had a will for him to deliver mankind. And so we looked at how helpless he was, yet he wasn't that helpless because he was in the will of God, and it was impossible to do away with him because he was in the will of the Father. And the reason why we looked at that is we wanted to look at the power of God and how we, especially as charismatic, we get charismatics, we get so in the moment, right? Everything happens in the moment. But God has a much broader picture. Matter of fact, he's a God that stands outside of time. He actually created time. He actually put it in motion. He tick-tock, tick-tock. He put time in motion. Time didn't exist before God created it. And so God stands outside of that clock, sees the beginning from the end, and he can will something that what he starts has to complete. And so we looked at Jesus as a baby and thought, oh my goodness, there's no way that he couldn't have gone to the cross. It doesn't matter how many devils they threw at him, no matter how many things were thrown at him, he had to go to the cross. And even though it's kind of this paradox and it's hard to think about that Jesus was helpless, I like to think about it because what God had willed, it didn't matter how helpless he was, he was going to complete his journey. And because when we take that for ourselves and we looked at the fact that what God has begun in us, he will complete. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter the trials in your life. What God has begun in you, he is fully capable to bring to completion. And so sometimes we have to get out of our moment mindset of the now mindset. Because how we're feeling now might not be how God sees the big picture. How we're feeling now and how we're feeling defeated maybe or how it looks like there's so many obstacles in front of us. But that might not be the big picture because God can see you down the road. And so a lot of times it's just about vision. It is. When Jesus was in the storm, walking on the, on the water on the way to the boat where the disciples were in the boat, freaking out. The winds and the waves were going on and they saw Jesus walking to them on the water. And at first they thought it was a ghost because who on earth could walk on water? But they realized it was Jesus. And once they realized it was Jesus, one of the disciples, Peter, actually yelled out to Jesus. He said, if it be you, bid me to come. Let me walk on water. And I love this part of the story because Jesus is like, come. Kind of shows me that, you know what, that God wants us to believe him for great things. What do you believe in God for in 2024? God wants us to believe him for great things. Peter says, if it's you, bid me to come. He says, come. And so Peter gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water, walking on the water like Jesus was. In the middle of the sea. Then the Bible tells us, then he started to look at the wind and the waves and started to sink. And Jesus grabbed him and says, pulls him out of the water. Where's your faith? What did Peter do wrong? He just quit looking at Jesus. Because when we stare at Jesus, the wind and the waves don't look so big. That's why we worship. That's why we come together on a Sunday morning. Even though it's tough to get here sometimes and you don't feel like coming here and you don't feel like raising your hands and you don't feel like lifting your voice and you don't feel like meditating on Jesus because everything else in your head is pounding at you from the week before and you're mad at somebody, you're not mad at somebody, you're thinking about something else and your mind is getting boggled and you're trying so hard to just focus on Jesus. Why do we do that? It's because when we focus on him, everything else looks so small. 
That's why we magnify the Lord, the Bible says. We magnify him, and that means to make bigger. Well, you can't make God bigger. He's already as big as they get. But when we magnify the Lord, we are making him bigger in our situation. And what happens is we worship and we look at him, and all of a sudden, the things we're like complaining about and the things we're upset about and the things that we don't think we can get by, all of a sudden we're like, man, I was looking at the wind and the waves and I got to refocus on Jesus. And all of a sudden, these things that I think are impossible, him changing circumstances, him changing me, him changing other people, all that kind of stuff, all the stuff I feel like impossible, all of a sudden becomes possible because I'm looking at Christ and I'm not looking at my wind and my waves and realizing that this picture is much larger than what I'm looking at in just my sliver of time. You know, God called you. You know, God called you. We're called by the creator. I was praying the other day and I, lots of times I pray in my shower. That's kind of when I do my routine prayer. And so lots of times I use the Lord's prayer, not as, not as I don't just go through it, but it's just a template that I like to focus on. And we've gone through it before that, you know, it's really kind of before the way to pray is kind of before Christ, but the template is eternal. And so I love the first part of the Lord's prayer. It's just simply our father who art in heaven, someone who stands outside of this, hallowed be your name. And that word hallowed means how separated is your name. He is separated. His name is separated from everything. There is none like him. None like him. There's none like him. He is separated. And the other day, I was just praying. I'm like, Father, my Father who is in heaven, I know how holy you are. And I stopped right there. And I'm like, I don't have a clue. I'm like, Lord, I act like I know who you are and I tell everybody how big you are, but I don't think I have a clue. Lord, how separated is your name? Lord, begin to show me how separated is your name. And I begin to pray that way rather than just declaring, I'm like, Lord, show me the depth. And that's what I believe Paul was praying for in first Ephesians when he was praying to the church of Ephesus. He says, Lord, reveal to these people. I'm praying for them, but reveal to them and give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you that they would understand through your spirit, because they're not getting it in the natural, that they would understand through your spirit the hope of your calling. It's not our calling. Even though we're called by God, it's his calling. And so we can walk around and think we're good in our calling, but imagine if we walked in his calling for us. And Paul prayed that the spirit of God reveal to them what is the hope of your calling for them. What is your inheritance in the saints? And what is your power towards those who believe? Just think about that. His calling, which means we are called, we are anointed, we are designated to do something. And his inheritance, that means what we get to do it. And then the power is the power we get to walk in while we're doing it. And the church of Ephesus was one of the largest churches, I think the largest church at the time, exploding, converts everywhere, miracles and signs and wonders were happening everywhere. And Paul goes, show them how big you are. They're not getting it. So I pray, Lord, show me how big you are. Lord, show me how separated you are. Show me how awesome you are. And show me what that means for me. Show me what that means for me. How big are you, God? Because I look in such small slivers of time and my mind gets so unfaithful because I'm looking at a moment or I'm looking at someone's reaction or I'm looking at my mind zipping all over the place 
or my mouth talking when I shouldn't be talking. I'm looking at that. I'm like, ah, but if I get outside of that, how big are you, God? Because I don't know. Because I wouldn't be acting like this if I knew. That's where basically it came down to. How holy is your name? I know how holy it is. No, I don't. Because I wouldn't be acting like that if I knew how holy it was and how big and how awesome he was. Man, foundations tremble, the Bible says, at the sound of his voice. One word from God shakes the earth. The heavens stand at attention. The sound of his voice. He is so awesome. He is so wonderful. And what he has begun in us, God, show us. Show us what you've begun in us and help us to show how big you are to finish it. So my New Year's resolution, like it has been for the last couple of years, even though I don't think I'm doing a very good job of it, because I want to know, and I don't think I know even as close as how big he is. Psalm 127.1 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Let me try to put this in layman terms. You do anything, you build anything without God, you are wasting every second of your time. You try to protect anything, Without God, you are wasting every second of your time. You try to build it without God, you're wasting your time. You try to protect it without God, you're wasting your time. Unless the Lord builds the house. Unless the Lord guards the city. How do I look at that? Unless the Lord builds me and my family and my ministry and my business and my future, unless he builds it, everything I'm doing is a waste of time. And all this fretting to try to keep stuff that I have, relationships, family, all this stuff, ministry, business, all the stuff I'm doing to try to keep it, unless he's in it, is a waste of time, and I might as well just go to bed and have a sleep rather than sitting up thinking about it. I know there's not a big group here this morning, but I'm talking to somebody here this morning because I'm talking to myself. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost this morning, folks unless he builds the house. So this is where I like to start. We talk about New Year's resolutions. We make our lists. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to accomplish this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do that. And that might be awesome. But unless before all that stuff is, I sat down with the Lord, and these are my goals. You're wasting your time. Now, you're not going to hear this voice from heaven that says, hey, here's one through ten. But just sitting down with the Lord and saying, Lord, I don't know how big you are, but you love me and I belong to you and I'm bought and you have a plan and a future for my life and my family and my friends and my ministry and my business or whatever is in your life. You need to tell him, Lord, this 2024 belongs to you. I'm going to put down what I think you're breathing into my heart and thinking what you'd want me to accomplish in this year, but I will strike anything off. I will add anything all throughout this year. I just want to walk with you and build with you. I don't want to waste my time. And you know what amazing thing is? is You can do good and it not be God. You can do good and it not be God. 
Now, I'm not saying it can't be godly, but you know that you could do something good and it not be God. You could say today, I am going to be a missionary and I'm going to go way up to Tuktiuktuk. And I'm going to be a missionary up there and I'm going to bear it because I hate the cold, but I'm going to sacrifice for God. And I'm going to go up there and I'm going to be a missionary and I'm going to win people to Christ up there. And it would be good and God could use you and you could be blessed and all that kind of stuff. But if he wanted you in Port Kells, you'd be doing good and not God. And then those poor people in Port Kells didn't get you, didn't get the light that they were. Are you hearing me? And so it's always good to do good, but you want to get in line with God because he's our father and he wants to build with you. And sometimes it comes down to, you don't have to hear his voice. You don't have to have anything supernatural happen, but just by you saying, God, this is your year. You've already been supernatural. Lord, you're going to guide me in 2024. You're going to show me how big you are in 2024. You've just done something supernatural. You've released the heavens into your life. You've released favor into your life to accomplish that in your life. Am I making sense here this morning? And so, unless we do that, we labor in vain. You know, I like to read this once a year, 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15. It's it's this whole judgment part. And I love this judgment because we have a different judgment than the white throne judgment. The white throne judgment is for people that don't know Christ. And I'm really glad I'm not sitting on that one because I got a lot to be in trouble for. And thank God that he took away my sins as far as the east is from the west. That's how thankful I am. But we have another judgment as believers. And it says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed on how he builds on it. For no foundation can anyone lay other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So the only foundation in this earth is Jesus Christ. And the only thing spending our time on that is worthwhile is on top of the foundation of Christ. And now you have belonged to Christ and Christ is your foundation. And now we live a life that builds on the foundation of Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so through fire. So I don't know exactly when this judgment day is. There's different opinions, theologians, and different things. I just know one day we're going to get tested with fire. And the Bible tells us we just, fire hits us. Spiritual fire, whatever it is, hits us. And the Bible says if we've built on things that are strong, like precious stone and gold and silver, that the fire will refine that and we will receive a reward coming through. But the Bible says that anything we've built on it that is not that would stubble Anything that gets burnt away, it'll burn away. Now, I love the fact that says we ourselves will be saved. And I love that. When you come to Christ, Christ will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He loves you way too much for that. But after you come to Christ, he's given us the opportunity to build on his foundation. And that foundation is anything in the kingdom of God, anything he leads us to, anything that we do now for him, with him. With him is a better word for that. And we are tested with fire. We either get a reward or we get loss. I don't know about you. 
I want to go through with reward. I do. I do. I want to go through with reward. And it's really simple. It's like walk with God and walk in his commandment. That's just the foundation of everything. And what's the commandment for us? To love as Christ has loved us. Right? To love as Christ has loved us. And when we don't, oh, we got the hammer and the nails out in the wood. Right? And when we do, oh, we got all this gold getting stacked up and rubies and precious stones. And when we don't, we look like we're doing all these great things, but it's just all straw and we look like we got to, you know where I'm going with this. So 2024, hang out with Jesus for a few minutes and listen to what he says. And I don't mean a big voice is going to come from heaven, but his Bible is clear that he wants to walk with us and we're to walk building on the foundation of Christ and walking in the love towards our neighbor, towards our neighbor. Who is our neighbor? I got a few around us and we got friends and family. You guys are my neighbors. People ask that in the scripture, who is my neighbor? And basically, I'm going to do a lot of things, but Jesus basically said, the one who you think doesn't deserve it and the one who you think is filthy and the one who you think doesn't belong, that's who your neighbor is. The Samaritan that no Jew would even want to spend time with in that day, who's your neighbor? That person. And then he even went way past that. He says, you know what? Your friends, your family, he says you love them, but you got to even love your enemy. He might be your neighbor, your enemy. That's not an easy deal. But that's God's deal. And that's like, you could just imagine the ruby for that one, the gold for that one. And so I wish we could kind of think that through sometimes. Like, well, I don't want to do that. Do you want this? Do you want that when you're tested with fire? Right? It ain't worth it to me. It will be worth it to you. It will be. It will be. And I have that trouble in my life sometimes, and I've seen many people in my life that are like that, and it's like you have this opportunity to buy gold, and it's just like, ah! Our flesh doesn't want us to. 2024. Let it be the year of us whooping our flesh. Let it be the year of us whooping our flesh and trying to justify all of our actions. 2024. Unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. So before we write our big list, and I'm, I'm, I'm for New Year's resolutions. I am. God wants us working on our bodies, our minds, working on business, working on different things. But he wants us doing that with him, with him, with him. He's so good. And so let that be your New Year's resolution. Lord, I'm going to do it with you. I was going to just talk about one small thing after that. Sometimes that's just coming back to basics. Just hanging out with the Lord is just basics. Just read your Bible. Read your Bible. On your phone, if it's not, it should be. Well, I don't remember to. Put a reminder on your phone to read your Bible. <laughs> right? <laughs> I always use this one too. Does anybody in here go to the bathroom? Baby Jesus did. Read your Bible while you're in the bathroom. It's not sacrilegious. 
If that's the only place you can find time to read your Bible, read it. Pray. Simple. And I'm not talking, well, you know what? Yes, I'm talking this. Do a routine prayer. It doesn't have to be long, but do a routine prayer. And then more, I don't know if it's more importantly than that or not, but pray without ceasing, the Bible says. And that does not mean stay on your knees. It just means involve God in your daily conversation. Just simple things. Just practice talking to him. Even the most simple things. Lord, help me get through this light. Whatever it may be. Help me get through whatever it may be. Just simple things while you're driving. Lord, help me not be so mad while I'm driving. Right? Whatever it is. But now when you start talking to him, you also got to listen. Because if you say, Lord, that guy's an idiot, run him off the road. You know what you're, you're going to hear from that? You're not walking in love, kid. Pray for him. And if he is driving like an idiot, pray he doesn't die or kill anybody. And if he ever does anything bad, you pray that God will still use his life. Praying for our enemies doesn't mean, Lord, hit him with a brick. It means bless them, Lord, and I forgive them, Lord. And I want a good life for them regardless of what they've done. Back to basics. Back to basics. Read your Bible. Pray. Love your neighbor. Does that make sense? And then lastly, conquer the little things in your life. Come back to basics. What does that mean? It's like, if you ever listen to Jordan Peterson, he's like, just make your bed. You'll be surprised what will happen in your life if you just made your bed. Control one little thing around your life. Start to control a few things. Where things are getting a little bit messier, things are getting a little out of hand, just get a control of that again. We're trying to control everything and then everything gets messy. And a lot of times it's just good to come back to basics and just control the few things around our lives. With God's help, control those. Just control the little things. Get, and control is the wrong word. Get under dominion. That's a biblical word. Take dominion over a few little things. Did you used to not ever walk by garbage and now you're in a state in your life where you'll walk by garbage? I always, always have a garbage test around here for people. If I see them walking by, I want them to talk to. I don't like people walking by garbage on my place. Stop, pick the thing up, put it in a garbage can. Shows me if you're a good employee or not too. Or shows me what state you're in in the moment. But just little things like that. Take dominion with God's help of the little things. Not control. Control is a bad word for this. Take dominion over a few small things in your life. If things are getting too chaotic, just come back to the few things that are around your feet and take dominion. Go back to the Lord and the Lord will step you out again. Taking dominion over it. Everything else you need to take dominion over. Was that good this morning? Is that all right? Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you are so good. I thank you, Lord, for 2024. Lord, this is going to be a year that you're building with us. You're building with us, Lord. You're stepping with us. God, show us how separated you are. Show us how amazing you are, how wonderful you are. Lord, we're not going to pretend we know, but we are going to believe you that you're going to show us to a greater degree in 2024 just how amazing you are and how amazing you are in our lives and how called we are from you, the inheritance that belongs to us and the power that we've been given to walk in. God, I pray for victory in our lives. I pray for 2024 to be the closest year you've ever walked with Christ. That your year of 2024 
that you will notice him and what he's doing in your life more than you ever have before. That the peace that guides us will be your umpire. That the word of God will become alive to you again, even more so than you've ever experienced. That you will be led by him for the steps of a good man and woman are ordered of the Lord. And you will be blessed beyond your imagination. And lastly, and my cry for this year, is Lord, show me just a bit more how separated and how amazing and how big you are. Because I don't know. In Jesus' name, amen.